0: In your Bible, please. The book of Philippians. Paul's letter from prison to the church at Philippi. This particular epistle is one of seven of the prison epistles penned by the apostle Paul. The second or in his first Roman imprisonment. That imprisonment was from 60 AD through 62. And then we know that he was released, but soon to be reincarcerated, this time no longer in a hired home, but in a dungeon. And that last imprisonment, Was from 66 through 67 when the Apostle Paul was martyred. But the prison epistles were part of the proclamation of Christ that were the platform that the Apostle Paul used not only to preach Christ, but to use his pen to proclaim. And so this is one, the second of seven, of those proclamations of Christ specifically to the church at Philippi. Now we know that this church was the very first church to be brought into existence on the European continent around 50 AD. So this letter which was written in 61 A.D., comes from the Apostle Paul when he is just seven years away. He's about 58 years of age, about seven years away from being face to face with his Savior. This church has a special place in his heart. You remember at verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making request of you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of the grace, of this grace. For God is my witness. How I greatly long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. So this second epistle from the first Roman imprisonment comes to a people that have a very special place in Paul's heart. First church to be established on the European continent. And he has a very specific prayer for them that we looked at a few weeks back, beginning at verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Very specific prayer, a prayer to continue in the intimacy that you have with Christ, that your love may abound more and more. But that this love will also give you a greater insight into the one that has loved you and now you love because of all he has done in your behalf. So this prayer is a prayer for intimacy, for insight. It's one of four prayers when Paul was imprisoned there in Rome. We went to, last week, the second prayer, which is actually the first that he wrote in Ephesians. Ephesians, the very first of the prison epistles, and we looked at this prayer. This is sort of a parenthesis. We began last week and we'll continue for another week or two. It's a parenthesis in our study of the epistle to Philippians. This parenthesis focuses then on Paul's prison prayers. Philippians, Ephesians, two prayers. And then Colossians, the last of the prayers from prison that the Spirit of God has recorded for us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This prayer, like the prayer to the church at Philippi, the Philippians, is a prayer that he desires the Ephesians have greater insight that the relationship that they have would go deeper. There would be greater understanding. They may give you the spirit of wisdom, of revelation, and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know the hope of his calling. This prayer is one that Paul is sharing with those there in Ephesus that he wants them to go deeper into the understanding that God has revealed concerning their Savior. And that as they do that the expectation of what is yet to be realized will flood their souls that Your eyes might be enlightened. That's your spiritual eyes. The eyes of your understanding that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And we looked at that part of the prayer last week. But our attention this morning focuses on the latter part of verse 18. The prayer is that that You would have your spiritual eyes enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his uh, calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance that you might look forward with great expectation of what is yet to be realized and to know that there is an inheritance that you're going to have a reward, the inheritance of the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. So this prayer again this morning that we are looking at, prayer that is being offered up from prison by Paul for the believers in Ephesus is a prayer once again like the prayer for the Philippians is a prayer of wanting to have them experience more of the insight that has been revealed to them concerning the Lord Jesus and that this would stir them to a greater expectation of what we are yet to experience, the hope that we have. It's not a hope so. It's an assurance of what we expect to experience because of him. And that we would be empowered, that we would be experiencing those to whom he is writing the power of the resurrected Christ. First, this morning, the inheritance. Look back at verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. God Almighty God has called us into a relationship with him. He has done that through the offering of his son. And in that relationship that we now have because of our faith in his son, Jesus, God has withheld nothing from us. He has given us all that he has for us. We are yet to experience it fully, but we have it. For he already sees us in Christ Jesus in the heavenlies. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's our position. And our position has no limitation as to what God has provided for us. The reason that is so important is that there are many churches, many preachers, who encourage the seeking of blessings from God, seeking signed gifts that will give you some kind of insurance that you really belong, give you some ability to feel that you're more spiritual now than you were before. You experience these, sometimes called the second blessing, or whatever God has now for you if you surrender to him. The reality is, you ain't getting anything more than he has already given to you. We have all there is to have in Christ Jesus. Now, certainly as this prayer was a prayer from Paul, is that he is encouraging that we are experiencing what we already have in its fullness. And that experience isn't so much of what is awaiting us as who is awaiting us. Because all that we have is vested in Christ. He gave all for us that we might have all of him and all that that means in heaven yet to be experienced. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love having predestined us To adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. To enter into the fullness of him who is grace, who is truth. For what purpose? by which he hath made us accepted in the beloved. And I've said this on more than one occasion. Christ Jesus, God's son, did not step down from the glories that he had with the father before the foundation of the world for the purpose of making people better. And we get a lot of that preaching even those who really believe the scriptures. They teach the Bible as a book to live your life by, a book of principles. No, it's a personal revelation of the true and the living God. And it is a personal relationship that he has provided for us. He didn't come to make us better. He came to call us as his beloved. We belong. We're his. He sacrificed in order for us to be his beloved. And all that that entails, the fullness of what we have now here, already established for us in heaven, yet to be fully experienced. But it's all ours in him. Accepted in the beloved. In him, we have redemption. We've been set free. Free from sin. It's penalty, it's power. Ultimately, it's presence. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. It's all of God grace upon grace in Christ Jesus, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation, the dispensing of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. In him, in him also, we have obtained an inheritance. It's ours now. We're his sons. We're his beloved. But we have hope. There's an expectation that we have yet to experience all that we have in Christ Jesus. And that experience is that of receiving our inheritance. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. He's called the people out, you and me, unto himself to be a people to the praise of his glory. That's now, but also in the future. We are to be a people to his eternal, not only earthly praise, but his eternal praise. In us, in all that he has made of us, of all that he has given to us, that will return to him as praise, as honor, His glory, which alone he deserves forever. The inheritance is awaiting. And it's all according to his will, the master plan of Messiah, and how it is unfolding in his time frame. The mystery of Jews and Gentiles being one in Christ, the church. This mystery that was not revealed in the Old Testament, was not revealed. It was prophesied by the prophets, but not fully revealed until Christ came. There's an inheritance that we are looking forward to. In him, you also trusted, verse 13, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption, the full setting free, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. He brought us Good news. That good news was that his son, Jesus, God, became flesh. That good news is that Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, the one of promise in the master plan, died for our sins, according to the scriptures, was buried, raised again, according to to the scriptures. This is the good news of your salvation. And the Holy Spirit is now in us as a guarantee that all that God has done, he will bring to fruition. He will bring it to its climax. There's an inheritance yet to be experienced, but guaranteed. There are those, and I feel for them. I really do. My heart goes out to everyone who maybe truly have placed their faith in Christ, but if not, somehow have believed that they have, who are struggling, who are trying as hard as they can to have some kind of assurance that they are going to arrive in heaven. That they are going to be different than they are here in this world. And they're trying awfully hard to grasp that which now will allow them to stand before God approved sad the reason it's sad is because it disregards the finished work of Christ salvation is all of God we have a relationship with the true and the living God that is for now and forever And it's guaranteed, not because of us, but because of him. And he has given that assurance by his spirit living within us. We aren't to be striving to try to earn or gain what he's already provided. We are to rest in his finished work. That rest, that trust does not negate righteous living. That's just the product of the Holy Spirit empowering us to live for Christ. But it's secure. It's awaiting. It's guaranteed this inheritance. Going over to Acts. Chapter 20. Paul is now coming near the end of his third mission's journey. He's heading towards Jerusalem. And on the way, he calls the elders from Ephesus to meet with him. Chapter 20, verse 17. From Miletus we sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. When they had come to him, he said to them, you know from the first day that I came to Asia. Remember? That first missionary journey there in Asia, A.D. 53. That's when this church At Ephesus was established. You know that from the very first, when I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears, trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, these two truths that he is reminding them of, repentance and faith, are not independent of one another. One does not repent and then believe. Repentance is part of faith. We believe on him and thus turning to him, we turn from our sins. That's the repentance. It is in the act of faith. That is why we have, in fact, in the Gospel of John, over 100 times faith or belief set forth not once repentance. But we have in the scriptures this blending of repentance and faith. They are one and the same. Sometimes used interchangeably. But never one preceding the other. Not independent of the other. He's called them the elders of Ephesus. He's reminded them of his Faithfulness to the Lord and what he has proclaimed to them. And see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, verse 22. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying "The chains and tribulation await me. It will be from Jerusalem. He will ultimately wind up in Roman imprisonment. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the good news, the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God, the master plan of Messiah. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among you, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Last instruction, the elders at Ephesus. Remember. Remember my faithfulness before you. My faithfulness to declare before you the whole counsel of God, the master plan of Messiah. And to charge you, to remind you that you have a responsibility to the church. The church there in Ephesus. The responsibility is to have spiritual oversight because there's coming those who will draw away unto themselves. There's coming the Antichrist, the ravenous wolves. But remember, for three years I was faithful. And I'm now commending you to the word which I was faithful to declare to you to the word of his grace. Because that's how God is building you up, through his word. And that is your guarantee, the word of his grace, that there's more to be experienced. There's a hope with reward and inheritance for those who are set apart. Look at Acts chapter 26. Paul is now giving his testimony before King Agrippa, verse 12 of chapter 26. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O King Agrippa, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining round me and those who journeyed with me. And when we, when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice. I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goadings. So I said, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister, a servant, and a witness, a testimony, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people. and as well from the Gentiles to whom I am now sending you, to open their eyes in order to turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified in me. Paul's testimony. He is referring to what is recorded for us in Acts chapter 9, 33 AD. He's a young man, about 30 years of age. He's persecuting, he's got the power to do this. The movement called the Way, the Church of Jesus Christ. And he is doing a great job. But God has a purpose. And that purpose is that this persecutor would become the persecuted and the preacher proclaiming Christ Jesus to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And that this ministry that now you have, Paul, is a ministry bringing Jew and Gentile out of darkness unto light. It's a ministry of allowing them to understand that sin has been forgiven in their Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's not all. There is a awaiting you, an inheritance, guaranteed, yet to be experienced time is gone this morning. But we will continue to look at this inheritance, Lord willing, as Paul, from prison, has this first epistle to the church at Ephesus. And in it, like the church at Philippi, like the church at Colossae, He not only has that which he was reminding them he had faithfully proclaimed to them, but he has a prayer for them. It's a prayer for the church at Ephesus that they may be experiencing fully insight into Christ. And that this insight will allow them to know him better, to love him more. And that this insight has a guarantee of hope that which is yet to be experienced and a guaranteed inheritance awaiting. Those who do the best they can to please him? No. It's a guarantee because it's all in Christ, in his finished work. It's already ours in the heavenlies, in Christ. Because he's withheld nothing. But there's yet to be experience. The fullness of what is ours. But while you're here, I pray that you will be presently experiencing what you are yet to experience. And as we prayed earlier, that that will give us together and individually a greater understanding, a greater insight, a greater affection For him. And an awareness. That there's more. Of him. To be experienced. Thank you Lord. For these moments together. Thank you for. Paul's prayers. From prison. For these prayers are for us. For the body of Christ. And as we allow you to open to us the fullness of these prayers. Not only we are we appreciative of what is your desire for us, but it also gives us insight as to how we should pray for one another. That our prayer should not be shallow. should be focused on our Savior and all that he has done all that he is doing and yes all that he is going to do for us when we are in his presence allowing us to experience an inheritance far beyond anything we can think or imagine to his eternal grace and peace and praise. In Jesus' name.